All right. Well, good morning, church. Isn't that the truth? Uh, recapturing the wonder and the awe of Christmas, though things are a little bit different this year, the message and the hope is still the same. We hope that you've been enjoying the series. We hope you've been enjoying and staying safe this Christmas season. Uh, we are super excited. We've been in this uh, uh, momentum uh, journey trying our best to put thee before me. Uh, if you haven't heard of that, a quick explanation explanation as we began this journey, trying to put the other person before ourselves. And, and it has looked like a number of different asks, uh, action steps for you and your family. And I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this. You are changing the world. And I, and I don't say that lightly. You are changing the world. We have thousands of of masks because you went out, you invited friends and neighbors and, and coworkers to join in this effort. We've already done a shipment down to Juarez. We are about to do a secondary shipment of, of all of those masks. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hand sanitizers that will go in little baskets for the children. Uh, we have gift-wrapped masks. We have uh, candies. We have stickers. You have stepped up, and because of that, there are people this year that will eat and have life because you gave. And I just want to say thank you so much. But in addition, I want to say this, we're not done. It's only the 20th, uh, and so we still have a lot more to go in this month. We are collecting all of these supplies all month long, and we're going to be shipping those down there on a regular basis. To our friends, Jose Luis and Christina, who are at Jehovah Prevera Church in Juarez, so that they can distribute these masks to the multitude in the colonias that surround their church so that those individuals can get in line and come get food that you are purchasing. We have a, a match here at the church up to $8,000 that will match any dollar that's given to us up to that amount. And all of that money, all of those proceeds are purchasing food for people who otherwise will not eat. And I do not say that lightly as well. There are people who will not eat if we are not jumping and getting involved. And because you continue to give financially on our website, there's a drop-down menu there for Juarez. Because you continue to purchase masks and hand sanitizers, you are literally saving lives this Christmas season. And what better way to recapture the wonder and the awe of Christmas than to serve the other. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We're not done. Please continue to do so. We're about to collect uh, socks and gloves to go down, down Boulder to all of our homeless friends down there and, and distribute those in great numbers. And so incredible things are happening. Continue to follow our social media, both on Instagram and Facebook, for updates on a regular basis for all of those things that are going on. It's very, very, very uh, exciting for us as we continue to receive these shipments from FedEx and Amazon and here at the church and there's a bin outside. Uh, you can get involved and you can invite people all over the world to jump on this as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We have been in this series called uh, Recapturing Christmas, and as Alex alluded to, this idea that, that we want to once again fall in love with 
the wonder of Christmas, that we want to fall in love and once again recapture our wonder of what the Christmas story is. Because in a season where virtually everything else has changed, uh, jobs have changed, where you uh, work, how you dress for your work, the economy, the presidency, the virus, the vaccine, when everything else is virtually changing around us and therefore we have to adjust and adapt, the gospel message The Christmas story, the story that Alex talked about, that the baby was born, that hasn't changed. And so how do we recapture that? We have uh, talked about the moment. We have talked about the miracle last week. If you missed either of those, you can go catch those online. And this morning, we kick off this idea of the method of Christmas, One of the the mysteries and the miracles of Christmas that always fascinated me as a kid. I can remember the youngest of age uh, going to my grandparents' house in Springfield, Illinois, just outside the Capitol. And and we would hit Third Presbyterian Church late at night uh, for a a very traditional candlelight service late at night. And then everybody would come home and almost always it would be snowing and super, super cold. And I would look up at the sky and hear here's what my wonder was. How in the world does Santa Claus get all of those gifts and travel all over the world and deliver those through chimneys? I wonder if you were with me in that kind of wonder. That's what perplexed me as a kid. I would stare up at the sky and I would look to see if I could see Santa Claus flying through. And I'm like, how in the world does he accomplish that? Well, if we take that to modern society, to today, Here's what perplexes me today. With millions and millions and millions of people who order on Amazon on a regular basis, how in the world does Amazon get all of the things that we purchase, for the most part, correctly, to the right house, sometimes within 24 hours, and we're being told what's coming soon is drone droppage same day. How in the world does that happen? It's mind-boggling to me. And if you think about it, the method for something that the church just received our fiber optic cable that has come into the building, we are about to start live stream and actually have internet here at the church. The method to be able to do that took an enormous crew to dig up our land that is virtually rock, to dig up our land, get it to the building from the street into the building and then network and somehow, some way, we are gonna do amazing things through the internet. The method matters. And, and you can apply that to anything. If you look at airplanes and you go, man, like that thing is not dropping out of the sky. How does that happen? If you think about us going to Mars, methods matter. And it's the same thing for the Christmas season. But how does that apply? How does the method apply? We're not sure, but here's what we do know. We know that God had a plan to save the world through Jesus before he created the world. Now think about that. Before God even created creation, wrap your mind around that, he had a plan to save it. He had a plan, if you would, for Christmas. 
think about how that question then becomes how, the method. How did he save? If he had a plan, how is that plan kind of lived out? And, and more importantly, after we read the scriptures and we find out about the plan, how does that apply to me and my family and my current circumstances? The question should be rattling around how did God save the world and more importantly, save you, love you? How did that happen? And if it's a little bit difficult to wrap your mind around that idea of God saving what isn't even created yet and then carrying out that plan, if that's a little bit big to wrap your mind around, there's a reason for that. And it's because God's methods transcend us. This is, this is so important in the Christian faith to understand because often we want to understand in order to believe. We want to make sure we have all of our ducks in a row so that it makes sense logically and therefore I can put my trust in something. But that's not how God works. God's method transcends us. Part of the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the method. It was the miracle of the moment. It was the miracle itself. And it's the miracle of the method of how God accomplishes these things. Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. You see, Paul begins this doxology of praise to God, focusing on the greatness of God and how absolutely wonderful he is. That's, that's where he begins his focus. His riches, his wisdom, his knowledge are beyond measure. You cannot measure it. Now, we don't have very many things in our world that we can't measure. We can virtually measure everything. In fact, NASA in space is finding new things to measure on a regular basis that we couldn't 25 years ago. But the Bible says that God's riches, his wisdom, his knowledge, they're beyond the ability to measure. And honestly, when you think about God's method throughout all of history, and we talked a lot about church history last week, when we think about God's method, but in particular, the Christmas story, it can be, let's be honest, difficult to reconcile. It can be difficult to wrap our minds around. And here's why. If you and I were writing the script for how redemption of mankind was going to be played out, chances are we would have written the story differently than God. I know I would have. I, I love like big time war movies, like 300. Uh, I, I love action and armies and, and armor and marching. Like I love that kind of stuff. So I certainly would have written it differently. But God, God chose to reveal himself in the greatest, grandest way he possibly could in a way we would understand. He did it on purpose. 
He, he could have done it anyway, but he did it in the perfect way that you and I could understand. There wasn't some huge Pinterest reveal party. There wasn't confetti. There, 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 there wasn't streamers and balloons and everyone having their phones out and a, and a party. That's not how it was. There weren't cute cupcakes that, that reveal the gender and, and everyone's smiling. No, that's, that's just not how it happened. Jesus came into the world as a helpless, defenseless baby in need, in need of nutrients, in need of warmth, in need of comforting. Uh, Lindsay's up here on stage. She is with child. That child is going to be born and, and that child is going to be in need. So was our Savior. He was born to a humble and, and very poor parents. He, he wasn't born in a palace, surrounded with trumpets and, and the throwing of palm trees. He was born in a stable to a, a, a young couple who had absolutely no worldly influence whatsoever. They were nobodies. Nothing special. Just a couple of teens. They were plain, ordinary, obscure individuals. Yet they were the ones God chose. Amidst all of their plainness, they were the ones that God chose to be the parents of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it's mind-boggling, but Isaiah 55 says it really shouldn't be. We, we actually should know that things don't quite make sense. Here's what Isaiah 55 says in verse 8. For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. And your ways... They're not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is really gentle and loving by saying, you're not God. <laughs> I am. And, and the way I operate is beyond you. It transcends you. And frankly, if we've read the scriptures, we shouldn't be surprised by that. When things happen in our lives and we just don't quite get it what God's doing, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. In fact, our response should be, yep, this is just how God works. He chose Abraham to leave his home and travel to the place of promise. He chose Joseph, the next to youngest son of Jacob, to become the savior of his family, making no sense. God chose Israel, the, the least significant nation, to be his special people, making no sense. He chose David, the shepherd boy, and not any of his older brothers who were experienced in war to become the king of Israel. God chose Bethlehem, a small, insignificant spot on the landscape of Israel to be the birthplace of his son. 
And God chose a man who would deny knowing his son Jesus and leave him to suffer alone to be the rock on which he would build his church. God's method transcends us. They're bigger than us. They're better than us. Let's acknowledge that. Do you see the pattern that's being revealed here? Over and over and over again, God chose and continues to choose, this is good news for you and I, he continues to choose plain, ordinary people through whom he is going to do extraordinary work. That's you. That's you with the Before Me series. This effort to put the other person first, to love your neighbor first, to bring them something special and ask how we can pray for you, to invite someone to hear the gospel message on Christmas Eve, to, to purchase masks and hand sanitizer and donate finances to purchase food, to buy uh, gloves and socks for those who are in the greatest need. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when it gets down to like 10 or 12, it's cold. And he uses the ordinary, plain individual like you, pause for a moment, to be a miracle to someone else. Think about that. You are a miracle when you are following Jesus and, and allowing yourself to be his hands and feet. You're a miracle for someone who's praying for that miracle. And his ways transcend us. This is why often it's hard to understand God's ways. It's not because God doesn't exist. It's because God is so much bigger than us. Luke records his account of Christ's birth that Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem and registered for the census. Many of you have read the story. If, if you're new to church, you can open up uh, the book of Luke in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. You can read this account. And while they were there to, to register for the census, the time came for the baby to be born. Some of you moms know this. Sometimes babies don't know your schedule. You might have a, a vacation planned or, or a party planned or, or a really nice dinner, and then boom, it's baby time. Well, Mary and Joseph didn't have plans to have the baby born, but God's plans are perfect. And the Bible goes on to say that Mary took the baby Jesus and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in, in, in a manger because there was no room in the inns. In other words, there, there just wasn't anywhere else to go. They had to find somewhere to put a roof over their head. And then she placed him in a manger. You're going to hear more about this uh, in four days on Christmas Eve. But they placed him in a manger. If you're not familiar with a manger, it's a feeding trough, i.e. disgusting. It's not, a pretty, it's not a pretty place. If you think about uh, the, the, the place where they stayed, and if you think about where they put Jesus, like that's not even your worst Motel 6 experience. No offense if you work for Motel 6. Uh, I, what I'm trying to say is these are horrific conditions. There's no way you and I would write the story like this. It would look differently. 
And Joseph, being the good husband that we know he is from reading the scriptures, certainly would have uh, kind of uh, moved around the area and, and, and cleaned up the best that you can clean up a barn. I don't know if you've done that lately. It's kind of hard to clean up a barn, but I'm sure there was the effort to, to move the manure away from where they were going to rest for the evening and maybe place some straw down so it's a little bit more comfortable for the new baby and for his soon-to-be wife but it was still a barn. You can clean it up all you want. It's still a barn. You see, God's methods transcend us. No way would we have written a story like that. And if we think about from a a COVID perspective, when we have to have everything clean and sanitized and perfect, the idea of a baby being born in public in a barn in a trough is just out of this world. But if we allow ourselves to dwell on the magnitude of the truth of the story, we can once again recapture our wonder for Christmas. If we can slow ourselves down enough, we can recapture Christmas. And this happens not only because God's method transcends us, it happens because God's method includes us. You see, this is the paradox. God's methods are out of this world. It's beyond our ability to understand and comprehend, but they also, God's method includes you and I. To celebrate the occasion, angels announced the good news of Christ's birth, but who did they go and share that news with? That wonderful news, anyone? Yeah, the shepherds. The shepherds, not to kings and queens, not even to the religious or military leaders. God chose to make his grand announcement. You only get to do this once. He decided to make his grand announcement of the king of kings and lord of lords that will come and save the world that all of creation has been waiting for. And he chose to make that announcement to shepherds. God's ways are out of this world. To these simple shepherds fulfilling their responsibility to care for their flocks. That's who he chose. And part of the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the method. It's almost hard to believe this Christmas story. Think about the method, this particular method. Think about this particular method for just a moment. Following his resurrection from the dead, Jesus, this baby, has lived a long life. He is persecuted and judged wrongly, but nevertheless gives his life for creation. He's in the tomb for three days and he rises again. And following the resurrection from the dead, Jesus first appeared to a group of women. He didn't show up at the temple and boast before the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders, proving I was right, you were wrong, going scoreboard on those religious experts. From a human perspective, you and I would have written this, the, the script a little bit differently. If it were me, I would have gotten all of you behind me put you in armor with spears, and we would have marched into the temple to prove 
what I said was going to happen did, and now you're going to face the consequences. Thank, thank goodness I'm not God. He didn't do that. He revealed himself to a group of women and then his followers. Jesus reveals himself, and then he gives those followers the responsibility. This gets really heavy. He not only reveals himself directly to them, not to the temple, but then gives homework, gives them the responsibility, Corinthians says, of the ministry of reconciliation. Better put, the ministry of the gospel, of saving creation. And then says, go and baptize and teach and obey everything I have commanded. He says this to a small band of believers. Jesus entrusted the good news of salvation. I don't know if you've ever entrusted someone with something. Maybe you let someone borrow your car and you're like, dear God, please. I know they're an awful driver. Just this one moment, help them to be perfect. Or if you let someone stay in your house, or you lend someone your computer, and you just, yeah, you have a hard time. Now, think about this. Some of you won't let someone else plan dinner because you want to be in charge. Some of you won't allow uh, holiday plans to be planned by someone because you have an idea. Some of you won't allow someone to decorate because you have an idea on how it is supposed to be decorated. You with me? Now think about how difficult that is for you sometimes to do. And God chooses to release the ministry and the news of salvation to people like you and me. God's method transcends our ability to understand because there's no way, as much as I love you, as much as I care about you as a church, if salvation were on the line to spread throughout the world, I probably wouldn't trust you. I would figure out another way, like some explosion in the sky, some funnel, you know, written in the sky, something other than man and woman. But God doesn't. Think of this. God allows the salvation of the world to rest in the hands of these few followers. Simple, ordinary people. It's crazy. That, that this is Christmas. The Apostle Paul comments on this miracle method when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers, consider your calling... Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. This gives me such encouragement. When I look in the mirror and I know, man, I've got so much farther to go as a husband and as a dad. I've got so much farther to go as a friend. I've got so much farther to go as a follower of Jesus. This gives me great hope. 
And God's methods haven't changed. He still uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary work. This is the way of God. Our abilities are not as important as our attitude or availability. That is more important than our ability. God has entrusted the good news of salvation to us. It's amazing. You have an opportunity to invite the world for Christmas Eve, to hear the songs, to see the wonder, to see uh, an invited guest who may be visiting us on Christmas Eve, to hear the gospel, the rich truth of what happened in that manger. That's available for you to invite others to hear that. You have the ability to bring the good news of salvation. So God's methods, they transcend us. They include us miraculously somehow, but it gets even better than that. Listen to this last point. God's method sanctifies us. God's method sanctifies us. There's another aspect of this for the Christmas season that is richly important for us to understand. To pause long enough and take note and then ponder or even discuss with others to dive into the scriptures so that your mind and your heart can really wrap itself around this particular truth. Because God is at work in our lives in ways that we cannot and we do not fully comprehend. That's happening with you, Christ follower, right now. In fact, that's happening with you. If you deem yourself to be far from God and not a Christ follower, God is at work in ways you can't understand in your life because he loves you. And you may never understand those things. In the same thing that way that we would have written the script differently to, to have the baby come to earth, the, the same way that we would have uh, designed where he came and how he came and, and what would happen immediately afterwards and how his life would, would be played out, the same way that we would do those things, we would write the script differently for our own sanctification. Things would be different. You see, if it were up to us, once we begin our spiritual journey with and in Christ, we would have this ever-loving devotion to him without any pause. That's the way I would write it. You accept Christ, and you're just walking faithfully with him 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. That's, that's how I would design it. We wouldn't have any problems. Babies would sleep through the night day one. If, if yours has slept through the night, day one, I don't want to hear it. You just keep that little good nugget to yourself because that'll cause me to sin. All, we would have all green lights driving to church. There wouldn't be any traffic on 25. There, there'd be perfect powder conditions on the mountains. It, it, it gets even better than that. If, if I were in charge, I would write it to where the, I don't feel or, or people who I love don't feel any pain or sadness. Or, or have any difficulty bubble up in their lives, I would make it to where we could eat rich cheeses and desserts on a regular basis and that those things would be recommended by the world health professionals. Amen. That, the, amen? 
And, and then we would just live a life of heavenly bliss until the day we finally arrive at home, which would be for me watching a Bears game. They win. I have pizza. I go to sleep. I end up in heaven. Like that's how I would write my sanctification. And because I love you, I would write a similar script for you. That would be nice. But too much cheese and desserts. Unfortunately, it's not the way to go. We do experience problems. We do experience pains and pressures. We do experience temptations and failures and struggles and sicknesses. Sometimes it, it feels like we take one giant step forward in our relationship and faith with Jesus, and then we take three or four steps backwards. There are victories and celebrations only to be followed by defeats and despair. This is not the way we probably would write it if we were the author. You know, I can't answer all of your questions of why did this happen in my life or why is this happening in my life? I, I can't answer all of those for all of you. But I can tell you that when going through circumstances that we don't quite understand, in other words, the quote, why would God allow this, end quote, what I can tell you is we're not left to despair. We're not left to hopelessness. We're not left to handicapped depression and anxiety. You see, God walks with us in that we can trust that God is at work for good in our lives, even in the midst of the storm. Even when it just doesn't make sense. And we ch must choose to believe that God is working to shape us and to mold us so that we can become more like Jesus. That's the sanctifying work. The, the condition of your heart, the condition and thoughts of your mind, the words of your mouth, your actions, changing you to become more like Jesus. And this requires us to believe that what he has promised to us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, his plans, his desires. His kingdom. Even when the angel appeared to Mary and showed her that she was going to be the mother of God's son. Wrap your mind around that one. Better be a good parent. You're carrying the son of God. There was no way that she could have predicted all of what would be transpired because of that fact, what it would mean for her. Joseph had no idea what it was going to mean when the angel appeared to him and said, do not divorce Mary, but instead rather take her as your wife. And then Joseph and Mary endured shame 
and accusation and embarrassment and ridicule. But they also experienced something else. When the angel appeared to them and gave them this prophetic message that would soon come true, they experienced the miracle of seeing God become flesh right before their eyes. Don't miss this. Mary and Joseph being caught up in, in, in a way that transcends them that they just couldn't quite understand. How is this all going to work? Mary and Joseph, they saw God. They saw God. The cost of obediently following God's plan was worth it for the prize of drawing near to God himself. Uh, allow me to explain it this way. God is at work in each one of our lives. On a daily basis, he is at work to produce a beautiful tapestry. That's what his goal is. That's, that's what he's trying to do. And from our perspective here on earth, we only see the back of the embroidery. That's what we see. But the front, the front of the embroidery reviews, reveals this beautiful picture, this beautiful creation. And you and I, we look at the underneath side of it and we don't understand why it looks so ugly. Why there's a bunch of knots and rows that don't make sense and colors and, and things that are just seem very sporadic and fragmented. That's what we see. And it seems impossible for us to understand everything that's being done in that tapestry. But one day, and that day is absolutely going to come, one day we will be able to see the top of the tapestry and see the wonder and the beauty of his creation in you and I. That is what's coming. Because God has been weaving his beautiful tapestry, his great plans into the fabric of our being, into the fabric of our character. And when that's revealed, we are going to be able to see why there were pains and heartaches and how those pains and heartaches brought about rich and vibrant colors to the tapestry of our lives. We'll see the fullness and the richness of the design reflected in seasons of joy and celebration. We will see the depth of the character revealed during times of testing and trusting and refiner's fire. And therefore, because of that tapestry that is being created in each and every one of us through the church, through the message of Jesus, through this baby, we must continue to trust that he is at work and that he is working for our good and to accomplish all of his plans. That's Christmas. <laughs> That's Christmas. And friends, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want to implore you 
to continue to trust God. To continue to trust God when everything in you wants to give up. Even though you don't understand how and and where he is at work in you, continue to trust him, don't give up. Continue to follow him and your life will be richly blessed. The miracle of the method of Christmas is that God uses ordinary people like you and I to accomplish the extraordinary work of his kingdom. The miracle of the method of how he works is that God is at work in our lives in ways we will never understand. And therefore, we must choose to trust what we know to be true because of what he has revealed to us in that little baby. He is at work. He's weaving this beautiful tapestry that one day will be revealed for all to see. What a blessing it is to have the scriptures that reveal this truth so that we can capture for the first time or recapture the wonder and the majesty of Christmas. Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. To God alone be the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen.